I'm Tim Delaney, the Director of Alumni. I want to welcome everyone to our 27th Annual Alumni Awards Banquet. I want to especially welcome our friars who are here tonight, um, especially Father Sean, who got off a plane at about, I don't know, 9 a.m. from Tel Aviv. So he's, uh, he's going on about, whatever, 40 hours of, of uh, alert time. But he's got, he's got great stamina. He keeps up with the students. Um, I want to also welcome all of our uh, administrators who are here, um, all of our Board of Advisors, our alumni board members who are here. Uh, most of all, I want to welcome all of our honorees and their families and thank them for joining us here to celebrate um, some great alums doing great things. So. I'd like to invite our uh, university chaplain, Father Sean Roberson, to uh, lead us in an invocation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this day for your grace and love in our lives that calls us deeper into the light of your kingdom. As we celebrate this day on the memorial of the guardian angels, we take to heart the words of admonition for your Son, Jesus. Despise not these little ones, for their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my Heavenly Father. We thank you for the angelic light that surrounds us as a sign of your grace and protection, which is the fullness of your plan. We ask you to continue to guide us in the work of bringing forth the light of the gospel and the furthering of your kingdom of your beloved son, Jesus, in the lives of your little ones. Bless this meal and all who are participating in this alumni banquet, along with the presentation Keep us in your care and lead us to your eternal glory. And we ask this as always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to welcome two uh, very special and important people to the stage to join Father Sean and I. One is uh, Rebecca Rook from the class of 2001. Rebecca is the chair of our Alumni Awards Recognition Committee on our alumni board. Um, she's been on the board for maybe about three years now, right? Four years. Four years. All right. We're, we're, we want to get rid of her at all, so we don't want to get rid of her, I said. Um, Chris Wright is our immediate past president, president served four years as our president, and uh, is also going to join us for our awards ceremony. Um, and at this time, I'll turn it over to Becca, or Chris. Somebody. Somebody. I'd be remiss if I didn't point out Matt Swider, the founding president of the Alumni Board, without whom we would not be here. His, uh, the, the founding board had the vision for a lot of things, and this is one of them. And I, I, like, I always thank them whenever, I, whenever we get together, because it's uh, easy for, to forget what uh, folks have done to get us where we are. The first uh, alumni award this evening is going to uh, a contemporary of mine, Dr. Michael Hansberg. Uh, when St. Francis looked at the world, he didn't see nature, red in tooth and in claw. Instead, he saw a home created for man by God and filled with creatures, creatures and things that, in some way, reflected their creator. In every dog, and every cat, every mountain, no, not every cat. Um, I'm already off script. Sorry. Every mountaintop and every sunset, St. Francis saw God. And he honored God by honoring God's creation, loving all that it contained. From an early age, Dr. Amsbury had a touch of St. Francis in him. As a boy, he was enamored with the animals, the flora, and the fauna in his rural Oregon. As a student at Franciscan, he came to understand the natural world better and see God's handiwork more clearly. And for nearly 30 years, he's been a good steward of that handiwork, both through his work as a veterinarian and through his participation in innovative treatment plans for small animals, including most recently adult stem cell therapy. For his Franciscan love of all God's creatures, for his steadfast dedication to his patients, even the cats, and for his participation in pioneering therapies for pets, Franciscan University is proud to honor Dr. Michael Amsbury, class of 1986, with the 2015 Father Dan Egan Award. Congratulations. You know, I, uh, I love life. I've, I've loved life sciences. And, and uh, a couple of thoughts I just wanted to share is I'm just grateful. Just grateful. Um, we've been given such, uh, such gifts. And uh, my time here at Franciscan was, um, at that time, it was Stu 
it was such a, a wonderful time. I, uh, you know, Father Mike, uh, Father Sam, Father Gus, all these um, really, to me, heroes. I just um, so enamored with the, the leadership and the, the guts and the, the uh, fortitude that they all had. And then to meet um, classmates and who became lifelong friends for me, it was just a magical time in life. And then to experience formation through the liturgies and on Tuesday evenings we'd have uh, faith formation talks. Um, my take home from Franciscan was one of daily personal prayer and for ever since then I've tried to take some time. Sometimes it's just a little bit of time, sometimes a little bit longer, but uh, to spend some time with the Lord and, and read His Word. The other take home is um, participation in, in the sacramental life. And so um, we try to get to Mass every, every day that we can. Uh, now, my, my real take home from Franciscan was my wife, Jenny. She'll, she'll be the first to tell you that I, um, I, my personality and my mind is kind of like a kite sometimes. And uh, she's definitely at the end of the string down on the ground holding me there. Uh, and she's been my best friend and just uh, a partner that I, I couldn't ask for any better. So, um, all right, I'm good. The, uh, the other thing that I wanted to just mention is um, the uh, mercy, this year of mercy. I've been thinking about that and how Pope Francis visited here through the States. And not just that, but for me, I think for a lot of us, that really epitomized who he is, who we are as a Catholic Church. And there are a lot of times on the road when you're upset with traffic or I look at somebody and I'm judgmental or whatnot. And to see him uh, really promote for all of us mercy and this, this year of mercy at our men's group here at our uh, St. Ignatius uh, of Antioch, our parish, uh, a couple weeks ago, we are talking about, or what was presented to us was this saying, and maybe one of you theologians can help me, but the thought was about mercy, at least to me, is that, that Christ is closer to you, to your person, than, than your next breath. And uh, I'm not sure which saint said that, but I think all of the saints say that to us, um, that Christ is closer than our next breath. And for me, as I thought about that, we went right from our men's group right into Mass, and, and I thought about that, and I thought, hmm, what does that mean? So I held my breath. You guys don't have to hold your breath right now. <laughs> but if you want to, you can, just a little bit, and then for those of us in the medical arts world, there's certain receptors in our carotid body and baroreceptors and things that they put a panic into your brain to say, it's time, it's time, take that next breath. And it's in that little area of taking that next breath that kind of has become a prayer for me. It has that. And that's kind of what I want to leave with you is that a, a prayer that is a prayer of mercy is that next breath and that we're not guaranteed that. It's not in the contract that we get it. Uh, but in that moment where your body is saying, I need that next breath, that's um, it's really haunted me for these last couple weeks. And, and it's one of those thoughts I don't think I'll ever shed because in that next breath is his mercy. And when you take that next breath, it's satisfying is what it is. And um, it's in that next breath that we are vulnerable, and it's in that next breath where Christ gives us that life. And so my prayer for me, for all of us, is in that next breath that you feel Christ and think about everything you know, that he's given you, and then maybe 
I'm hoping for me anyway, when I get in the traffic snarl or somebody cuts you off or whatever, that in that next breath, that mercy comes to mind and I say, hey, it's okay. They're in a rush. They're having a bad day, whatever. But in a lot of situations in our day in, day out, that next breath, if I can breathe in, then maybe, maybe I can breathe out and say, you know, I need to... I need to back off. I need to give somebody that break. But it is in that next breath where I think we can find Christ, and we do, whether we realize it or not. So my prayer for all of us is that this in this year of mercy that we, we feel that next breath and make that little prayer. So thank you again for this honor. I appreciate it. Our next awardee is Jason Everett. In the midst of a culture of death, how do you proclaim the gospel of life? In a world that preaches promiscuity, how do you show men and women the beauty of chastity? In an age that teaches young people to look for love in the passions of the moment, how do you help them find true love in the friendship and sacrificial commitment that unfolds over the course of a lifetime? Few people could better answer those questions than Jason Everett. With wisdom, humor, fidelity, and clarity, he has brought the church's teaching on love and sexuality to more than one million young people around the globe. As an apologist, author, and speaker, he has helped countless teenagers and young adults discover their true dignity as children of God. He has also helped them live out that dignity in their relationships with others and embrace the radical call of the gospel in every aspect of life. For his innovative approach to handing on church teaching, for his care of young men and women wounded by the culture of promiscuity, and for his personal commitment to living the truths he proclaims, Franciscan University is pleased to present Jason Everett, graduate of the classes of 1997 and 1998, with the Bishop John King Muzio Award. Thank you. Um, they, uh Senior, the summer after my senior year in high school, uh, I was all set to go to Arizona State University to study architecture. I had my roommates picked out, the dorm, everything was set to go. And my family took a vacation to Pennsylvania to visit some relatives. And while we were out here, I thought, just on a whim, to I might as well check out that Steubenville place. And uh, I had a, a couple friends going there, one of whom was my youth minister 20 years ago, who's in the room today, Dr. James Pauley, right there, my high school youth minister. And um, so I decided to just check out the campus, and while I was here, it was pretty empty. There weren't any conferences going on, but something clicked that I, I knew this is where God wanted me to be. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? I mean, they don't have architecture. They don't, what am I going to do? And upstairs, I remember at the uh, receptionist's desk, I think her name was Irma. Was that her name? Erla. Erla. There was a little bumper sticker she had pinned to her, her bulletin board that said, faith is only faith when it's all that you're holding on to. And when I saw that, I said, okay, it's time to let go of everything that I'm holding on to and just hold on to faith. And so I gave it a shot. I applied in July. I got accepted in August, and I was in the dorms in August. And I showed up and kind of just dove right in. Uh, and I think that all of the ministry that I've been able to do, Steubenville was the springboard for everything. Everything came from Steubenville, in my opinion. And uh, much of it came from the ministries that the doors were open to me here. Uh, for one, we got involved in sidewalk counseling down in Pittsburgh. And I remember being on the sidewalks out there talking to women before their abortions. And after a couple of years of doing this, I really felt late. Like, why am I meeting this woman 45 minutes before her abortion procedure? Why can't I meet this woman when she's in junior high? Why can't I meet her when she's a sophomore in high school or a sophomore in college? Because maybe if she learned about what love looked like and how to be pro-love, then pro-life would just come naturally for her. If she understood chastity, she probably never would have dated this guy to begin with. So I thought it's got to start before then. And I, at the same time, through Steubenville, was able to do retreats for high schools uh, and a youth minister just about two hours from here. And on these retreats, the kids would pour their hearts out to me of the suffering in their parents' marriages and their broken relationships and all of the regret and their sufferings. And as all these ministry was going on, I was in the classroom and in the, in the library reading Love and Responsibility from St. John Paul the Great. And I was reading this treasure. I realized this is it. This is the antidote. This is it. There's this world that's starving and sick and hungry and dying. I'm holding in my hand this wisdom of this saint, and the young people need to hear it. And so for the first time in my life, I got to give a chastity talk once again through the missions of Steubenville, through Sun Life. And we spoke just a little high school classroom in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I watched the kids' eyes and their hearts light up 
when they heard the message of love and responsibility and chastity as it's supposed to be proclaimed. And the kids lined up after the classroom with more questions, and they were so hungry. And this just set me off after leaving Steubenville, where, thanks to God, you know, I've been able to speak on six continents, from rural villages in South Africa to prep schools in England to the jungles of Honduras and Haiti and Brazil to the Philippines and Australia and New Zealand. And everything was launched because of Steubenville. And it wasn't so much what I was learning in the class. I think what it really was, was the living examples of the professors I had. I remember one night coming back from a date with a young woman I was dating at the time, and we were coming back from Pittsburgh, and we decided, hey, let's finish the date with some adoration. And we went into St. Peter's in downtown Steubenville and went down into the basement for the adoration chapel, and there was my professor, Dr. Scott Hahn, sitting all by himself in the chapel with the Bible on his lap before the Blessed Sacrament at probably 1 o'clock in the morning. And as a, as a young master's student, I thought, look at that. I'm here studying my master's, but here's my professor at the feet of the master. He doesn't just talk the talk. He lives this. He's not here to be noticed by men. He's here to be known by God. And of everything I learned in his classroom for four years, that's the one memory that stuck with me. Dr. Regis Martin, what I remember of him is, you know, not the Hans Urs von Balthasar and all the different papers we would do for him on that. And, and uh, what I remember from him is, is walking to the Finnegan Fieldhouse to lift some weights and there's him with his children just throwing Frisbee, not buried in some theology book. No, living it with his family, with his children. I remember being at the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and when there was a religious sister there with us one day. And she said, well, can I give it a try? Sidewalk counsel, yeah, sure, give it a try, sister. And so one, that morning, if I remember the number correctly, I believe she saved 19 babies in one morning. And after about a dozen saves, I came up to her and said, what are you saying to them? Like, what is, what is the formula? But I realized it wasn't what she said. It was who she was. And that's why I was so convinced my professors, because they weren't apostles. They were disciples. And it would call me back to what John Paul the Great once said, that he said, help us, Jesus, to learn that in order to do in the church and in the new evangelization, we first need to learn to be that is to stay with you in your sweet company and adoration. That it's not about doing and doing and doing. And yeah, I may have spoken to a million people, but what's going to change the church is if I can just learn how to listen. That's the most apostolic activity we could do is just learn to hear. And I'm not the best listener. My wife is here. She can attest to this. I mean, she said to me recently, she said, Jason, you know, you're not a very good listener. Uh, and I said to her now, honey, I said, I'm a motivational speaker, not a motivational listener. Now, she, she didn't think that was very funny, but I thought it was rather witty on my part. Uh, but... <laughs> But I, I think the best gift that Steubenville gave me was the example of a listening heart in my professors. And I think if I can dedicate, so to speak, my award to anything, I would dedicate my award to the interior life of Father Michael Scanlon. I would dedicate my award to the interior life of the friars who are praying at the friary when nobody's watching. The interior life of the benefactors who listen to God when he asks them to give and support. The interior life of the students. The interior life is what keeps this place so alive and why the Holy Spirit loves it here. And so if I could dedicate you know, this award to anything, it would just be the overflowing gratitude in my heart for this university. Knowing that if it weren't for this college, you know, I might be stuck in what St. Francis started doing. I'm going to build buildings. You know, that's what I'm going to do. You know, but because of this university, I was able to see, you know, God wants me to build something else. And so through the examples of the, 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 the faculty here, the staff, the priests, my life, my ministry exists. It was through my ministry that my marriage came to be, that I met my wife. So as I walk around the campus... I mean, every one of my senses are filled with a thousand memories and nostalgia of nothing but joy and overflowing gratitude for the blessing that this campus has been to me. So my prayer is that God would just bless you and that he would continue to bless the Franciscan University of Steubenville. Anybody feel like a slacker yet? <laughs> okay. Next award uh, is going to Katie... Gesto, class of 1991. God calls every man and woman to care for our neighbors. He calls all Christians to sacrifice for others and suffer with others as we serve them in love. Some of us, however, choose to answer that ordinary call in extraordinary ways. Katie made that choice. As a young Franciscan University graduate, she chose to serve others first as a nurse and then as a missionary. She chose to leave her friends and family to travel across oceans to Europe, Africa, and South America. Then she chose to live among the poorest of the poor, establishing a medical clinic in the midst of war-torn South Sudan. 
Later, back in Steubenville, she chose to establish a home that welcomed the lonely and the outcast and sought to promote unity among Christians. For her unwavering commitment to caring for her neighbors around the world, for her humble service to the forgotten and the powerless, and for her genuine desire to proclaim the gospel through both words and deeds, Franciscan University of Steubenville is proud to honor Katie Gesto, class of 1991, with the 2015 Alumni Citizenship Award. Now, Katie's unable to attend this evening, but accepting on her behalf is Ms. Juanita Slappy. Juanita served as an inspiration to Katie when establishing her home in downtown Steubenville due to her service to the poor in our area. So if Juanita could come up and accept this on her behalf. Thank you. It's so good to be here this evening. I thought my mouth was big enough, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, I would like to acknowledge the alumni, uh, all of everyone that has made this uh, possible. I would like to just say a few words about Katie. I met her, uh, some of you might have known of the Martin Luther King Choir. My daughter, who I was hoping would be here, she wanted to sing about four lines um, about Katie, but uh, we missed communication. So I just wanted to let you know that Elise sends her regrets. But Katie was in the choir, and that's how I met her, through my daughter. And we established a relationship, because every time we'd go out of town to sing, she'd say, you want to ride with me? And I said, oh, yes. And she was a driver. She drove everywhere. The same thing with my granddaughter when she would uh, start playing basketball, do you want to go? And we ended up so far out in the country, I, wouldn't know, I didn't know where we were. But this is a kind of person that she, she stretched herself. She always uh, was so eager to help. And as I got to know her better, Katie was unique. And, and she, was, uh, she said, she, you know, Mama Neat, I... I'm a Christian, and I am the faith, but there's something else that I need to do. And I said, well, when God calls you, he lets you know exactly what you have to do. And so as I watched her and she would call me, my husband got sick, and he was very sick. He had cancer, and he would ask people to pray for him. So she took him to the urban mission. This I will never forget. And as he went down there to be prayed for, there was a young man that was there to pray for all people that wanted prayer. And my husband said, no, I don't want you to pray for me until Katie gets here. When Katie came, she came right away. She went over to my husband. She visited me in the hospital. She was there for him. She was there for me, and she said, you know, I'm going to Africa. And I thought, no, Katie, you're not going to Africa. She said, yes, the children over there. She said, I have studied, I have watched, um, I, I've, I've read books, I've called, and I've checked it out, and I'm going to Africa. She went to Africa and stayed there a year. She sent me pictures of her and a little boy that she had taken care of. In the year that Katie was there, she almost died. She picked up an infection, and she didn't want me to know how sick she was. But when she got back, I found out that God was truly with her, kept her. And when she got back here, she said, when my health, I've regained it completely, I want to go back. And I said, Katie, pray about it. And she found this house down on North Fifth Street. And in her, I don't know, she said she prayed about it. She couldn't get it out of her mind. She called me. She said, we got to find a house. And I go, well, you can just use my house. It's just for your, you know, you're just having your uh, meetings. And she said, okay. They came to my house, and they had their meetings. 
about two or three months later, she said, um, Mamani, we want you to come down. We think we found a house. I went down there to the house where it is on, on the corner where it says prayer. When I walked in that house, I thought Katie had lost her mind because it was hoarding the, 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 everything. It was just a hoarder's house. You couldn't see the floor. You couldn't see part of the walls. You couldn't see much of anything except clothes and debris. But she stayed there. She cleaned out that house. She got help from people near and far. They helped her to renovate the complete house. It's a house of prayer. The prayer room there, when you walk in, you feel Katie. They still have it. There's a couple there now. But they named the house when I came in, and I was looking after they renovated, and I just broke into tears. I didn't think it was possible. But with God, all things are possible. And I told Katie, I said, I don't know how you did it. She said, God. And so they named the house Mama Need. And I have been forever grateful to Katie because she has been uh, just a wealth of strength in my life. She says that I have been in her life, but I know that God sent her for a reason. But instead of going back to Africa, she worked so hard in that house. And as I stand here, I ask you to pray for her because her health, and I told her, you can only do so much, you're only one person. And she, I said, you've done well with this house, uh, with the prayer walk on Mondays. She walked with whomever she came in contact with. She came in contact with uh, addicts, with the women in the street, with the young girls that just had no one. She was there for, him, for them. And so when she came home uh, two months ago, she was coming to pick me up. And before she got to me, there was a young girl on the corner. And of course, Katie stopped. She recognized her from when she had seen her before she left. And she walked, she drove up and blew the horn to ask the young lady, how was she doing? And how was she getting along? And did she need any help? Before the girl could answer, the police drove up, stopped Katie and asked her for her license. And it, you know, she didn't panic. But when she got to the next, to the house where I was at, for her to pick me up, I looked at her face and I said, what's the matter? She said, I almost got picked up and, and I thought maybe I was going to have to go to the, uh, to the station with the police because they stopped, pulled me over and asked me for my license because I was trying to help this young girl or just to find out how she was doing. I said, there you go again. I said, you're here for a week. You're going back to California. You have a new job and that's what she's doing. She is a nurse and she is nursing there, but on the side, she's still Katie. She's still uh, out there praying for whoever needs. She's out there helping whoever needs to be helped. She calls me faithfully and she said, well, you're my mom. You're my second mom. I got to call and check on you. I said, well, no, this time when I talked to her this morning, she said to tell you she loves you and she will never forget you. She is so thankful for the award that you have given her. But God is with her, and she needs to ask you all just to pray daily for her. Thank you. Our next award goes to both Mark and Nikki Calpasian. Did I get that right? Good. I, um, I'm what they call a townie. And so when Tim asked me to read aloud, I was thinking, can nobody else, like nobody else come that's on serves on the board? I was a math major and a townie, so speaking isn't my, my talent, but... <laughs> Here we go. Um, some men and women graduate from college and never look back. Others never quite leave. And they carry their alma mater with them in spirit wherever they go, looking always to deepen the lessons they learned in their formative years. 
Mark and Nikki Calpasian belong to the latter category of alumni. Just a few short years after graduating from Franciscan University, the Calpasians moved their young family to Gomming, Austria, where they helped other young people experience the fullness of Franciscan student life abroad. While in Austria, they also deepened their own love of the Catholic faith, finding new joy in living it in community with others. Later, after returning to the United States, the Calpasians worked tirelessly to create a support network for Franciscan alumni living on the West Coast and to recreate in California the spirit of Franciscan community they experienced both in Steubenville and in Gomming. For their witness to the Franciscan charism of fidelity, joy, and evangelization, for their commitment to serving their fellow alumni, and for their ongoing support of their alma mater, Franciscan University is pleased to honor Mark and Nikki Calpasian, graduates of the class of 2002, with the 2015 Rose M. DeFiti Faithful Franciscan Award. Good evening. I think uh, as we contemplated coming here this evening, there were three themes that have resonated with us. The first was gratitude, thankfulness for the experience. The second was, I think, awed by the legacy and the third was inspired by the mission. So Nikki and I are extremely grateful, like uh, Jason and Michael before me, we're grateful for the people that poured their lives and their hearts and their souls and their minds into forming us as young men and women. Uh, we are grateful for professors like Dr. Timothy Williams, Professor Gaston, uh, awed by Dr. Benjamin Alexander, People who poured their life, who touched us personally and inspired us to be the best version of ourselves. Uh, we were thankful for the priests. Uh, Father David Lord, who is my spiritual director and touched me in, a, in many, many a way. Father Richard Davis, who I remember complimented me on my smile many years ago. And I think I've been vain about it ever since. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, Father David Lord, he, he was one of the few that, that said, Mark, reach for the stars. Uh, nothing but greatness. And I think that epitomized in many ways what all of the friars and the sisters have called us to do, to become the best version of ourselves and to never settle for uh, minimalism or what's least required. And I think we've, and also coming back, I think I'm very grateful for for God the Father, uh, that this cowboy soul, that he never stopped pursuing me as the hound of heaven. Right? He never gave up on me. And I think there are many like me who that hound has always been there. And so we have to honor him tonight and say thank you. Thank you for never stop pursuing us. Never th Thank you for never giving up on those cowboy souls. And thank you for just being patient with our weaknesses. Okay. <laughs> and then, so th that's, that gratitude is, is just pulsating as we think and look backwards. And now here in the present, it's that legacy. They say that a man's legacy or a woman's legacy isn't what he or she accomplishes by themselves, but the people that come after them. And I think that's the beauty of this evening is that this, the, the university has a legacy of people who have gone out into the world and created this, this good, ski, good seed has been scattered throughout the world and it is growing and, and is being harvested. We had a, a carpenter, a woodworker come to the house a few days ago, a few, few months ago, and we were look, talking about having a piece built. And I said, you know, what, what inspires you to keep building and creating these masterpieces? And he said, you know, Every piece I create, I feel like there's a part of my soul in it. So there's Brian Murphy in your home. There's Brian Murphy down the street. There's Brian Murphy on the, on the outskirts. There's Brian Murphy when you go in town. There's Brian Murphy, the woodworker. And I think that's a great analogy. Wherever we go, you can spot Franciscan University, right? Those seeds growing, the speakers speaking, the priests preaching, the mothers taking care of the children. And so I think tonight is a way to be, to be awed by the legacy 
of Franciscan University of Steubenville. And then I think of the future, and I'm inspired by the mission. When as a young boy in, in Colorado, I'd go to these camps, and you'd see the mountain peak in the distance. And, it, you know, the first time you try to climb the peak, you think, oh, I'll be there in about 45 minutes, right? And an hour and 45 minutes in, you're still going. And two hours and 45 minutes in, you're still going. And three hours and 45 minutes in, you hit one summit, but you still got a few more to go. And four hours go in, and, and you're still not there. And I feel that way this evening, that we might be on a summit this evening. We might be on a peak experience. But there's so many more to accomplish. There's so much more we have to do. There's so many challenges that still require the genius and the passion and the commitment and the dedication of alumni and students and professors of Franciscan University. So we're challenged by the mission to be a people on mission, to be a people that continues to climb those mountains and to summit. And then when we get to the summit, to realize that there are more summits to climb and more challenges to go after. And so I'm inspired. I'm inspired by what's yet to come. I'm extremely grateful for the commitment that everybody, again, I know that you don't make a lot of money. I know that you've poured your hearts and your souls and your minds, everything you have. I know you've made sacrifices, but what you do matters. And people like us have benefited tremendously from that sacrifice. So we are thankful, we are awed by the legacy, and we are inspired by the mission to keep going. Thank you very much. Just a quick word. It's hard following these great speakers like Jason and Mark. But, um, maybe it's kind of odd that a couple got an award together, but um, I think it's it's just such an honor to be up here with my husband. And um, maybe part of the award is for all those all fellow alums who are the moms, you know, who don't get recognized all the time. And um, sorry, <laughs> I'm also honored tonight to have the TOR sisters here with us, and they've been such an impact on my life as a wife and mother. So I'm grateful for many things, but especially those things. So thank you. The measure of any university is its alumni. When they're no longer in the classroom under the watchful eye of their professors, what will they do? How will they live? How will they love? Over the years, Franciscan University has been blessed again and again by how our alumni have answered those questions. We've seen them embrace lives that are radically countercultural steeped in the sacraments and shaped by the gospel. One young alumna who has done this in a remarkable manner is Megan Mastriani. First as an evangelist with Generation Life and later as a speaker and campus minister, she has dedicated herself to helping young men and women encounter Christ and learn to see themselves through his eyes. Both on the international stage at events like World Youth Day in Madrid and behind closed doors with her students, Megan has faithfully and effectively proclaimed the gospel of life. For her dedication to her students, for her desire to help the women in her care understand what it means to be a daughter of God, and for the sacrificial gift she has made of her time and energy serving the pro-life cause, Franciscan University is pleased to honor Megan Mastriani, graduate of the class of 2009 with the 2015 Young Alumni Award. Uh, I just have a few notes. I'm not like texting my mom. <laughs> um, you would think as a public speaker I'd have this down by now, but um, I am beyond honored uh, to receive uh, this award from the most incredible and uh, unabashedly Catholic university in the country. Um, maybe I'm biased, but I mean, come on, it's true. <laughs> um, I'm incredibly humbled I am among many alumni who are in this fight for the salvation of souls. And um, many alumni who I count on and inspire me. So I'm just one of them. Um, so I'm very humbled. And I'm also very grateful. Uh, this place, I, I owe so much to this place. Uh, when I came here, uh, as a freshman, I was just a sponge. I wanted to know everything, and I wanted to grow deeper in faith. And the second day, uh, I remember someone said they were going to Holy Hour, 
I had no idea what a holy hour was, but I went with them. <laughs> and every day after, and I just became ravenous uh, to grow deeper and to, to know more. And uh, this place has formed me, formed my prayer life. It's formed my identity, uh, the way that I view myself, the way that I view others, the world, uh, my friendships. I mean, it's given me the best friendships in the world, and I'm just completely and totally indebted to Franciscan University. Literally indebted to Franciscan <laughs> University. Sorry, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I came um, as an English education major. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, sophomore year, I changed my major to hope to attain the MRS degree, um, but that was not what the Lord willed for my life. Uh, if you don't know what the MRS degree is, well, I don't either, actually. I don't have one, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Think about it, MRS. I'll talk to you after about it if you don't get it. Um, but no, I, you know, the Lord took me um, on a path here, and I just rooted my myself by the grace of God uh, because I am just utterly weak uh, in the sacramental life and daily mass and daily holy hours and um, weekly confessions and. Uh, consecration to Mary. I, I mean, I had no idea what that was before I came here, and that's one of the most valuable things I think I've ever done. Um, and he's really taken me on a journey since since Franciscan to places that I never imagined uh, I'd be. I never thought I'd be at a high school with 493 girls. <laughs> Pray for me. Um, but they're beautiful. They're 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 huge part of my heart, and uh, I desire so much for them. Um, the love and mercy of God that I have received here at Franciscan, um, and I know this sounds super cheesy, but I kind of have to mention my parents. They they drove here eight hours um, from New York. I live in Maryland right now, and um, they drove here just to support me and. I really, when I'm just so cheesy, right? I'd like to thank the Academy and my parents. Uh, but really, you guys have been my biggest support team ever. I mean, I was supposed to be go to music school, right? And I told them I wanted to go to this random school in Ohio, uh, Steuben, in Steubenville. My dad's from Italy, so when I said Steubenville, he was like, Stupidville? And I then told him, Dad, you don't just speak with an accent, but you listen with an accent. Um, and this, yeah, just they, they were so, you've been just so incredibly supportive the, the entire way through, and I'm just so thankful for that. And even after graduation, Hey, mom and dad, guess what? I, I know what I want to do now. Okay, great. Graduation was a month ago, so what you got? Uh, I want to be a missionary for the gospel of life and love, and I want to spread it to the ends of the world because that's what you think at, you know, 22. Well, little did I know um, God would have me speaking, which is insane, but we're not still talking on the phone like this. Uh, okay, great. So you want to be a missionary. What's the salary? <laughs> hey, how about them Mets? Uh, change the subject. But they, they were just so, so incredibly supportive just to go out to be a volunteer in, Vill in Philadelphia uh, to just be a disciple and uh, to spread the love of God. So thank you guys so much. Without you, I wouldn't be here, really. I mean, literally, <laughs> I wouldn't be here, but I'll save that for a chastity talk. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but really, this is, this is the best place on earth. This is like a second home. Um, people will often ask in like getting to know you conversations or stupid high school icebreakers, like, what's your favorite place in the world? And I actually really like believe in my heart, like Steubenville, Ohio is one of my favorite places. I never knew I would have thought that. Um, so yeah, please pray for me. I am very weak, very broken. Uh, if any of you are familiar with Carol Houselander, she wrote The Read of God. If you haven't read it, it's your homework assignment for the weekend. It's a quick read. But she talks about how the read of God is, um, the read is hollow. 
and empty, but it is through the reed that the, the music is communicated and that beauty reaches people's ears and their lives can be transformed. And my prayer is that I can just continue to be this reed so that his um, love song can be just sung and sung to the girls that he's put before me. The 500 girls that I do love and cherish. And uh, it's just been a wild ride to be at this high school, to see the transformation, people coming into the church. And they just want to know they're good. You know, they just want to know they're good. And um, they need to know how to combat that in this world that is telling them they're not, that everything about them is not good. So uh, really, my job is easy. I just tell them what he tells me about me. And it, it works. So, but please pray for me. And uh, thank you so much. Our next award goes to Joanne McDonald. <laughs> when parents send their child to school each morning, they are trusting that child's teacher with the weight of their world. They look to the teacher to love their child, protect their child, and form their child. They look to the teacher to be their partner in educating their child's mind, heart, and soul. Joanne McDonald never let those parents down. In a teaching career that spanned six decades, she respected the sacred trust between teachers and parents, educating each child who came to her as if he or she were her own. She also faithfully served the schools in which she taught, developing new programs and assisting with curriculum development, all the while continue, continuing her own education so she could adapt to ever-changing educational environment. For her love of her students, her ongoing commitment to Catholic education, and her unfailing excellence in the classroom, Franciscan University is proud to honor Joanne McDonald, graduated the class of 1960 with the 2015 Father John J. Carrig, excuse me, Dr. John J. Carrig Award. Megan had her computer. I have my papers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this most wonderful, distinguished award given in the name of Dr. Car uh, John Carrig. It is truly an honor because uh, he had such a major impact and of course was well loved by all students, especially me and my family, Tom, who my husband, and my son, Steve, graduated in, six, in 86. We all love Dr. Carrick, so I had to. Um, I do feel especially honored by giving, having given this award. But I expect or suspect that my reflections on the time spent at Franciscan are going to be somewhat different than the other honorees here tonight. As I completed my education at the downtown campus, therefore I remember it not so much for its beautiful buildings and, and beautiful campus um, grasses, but for its warmth and its overall atmosphere that fostered learning. The professors, the Franciscan priests and brothers, who knew most of us on a first-name basis, were always available for classroom assistance, counseling, or just friendly conversation. I wondered, at how many universities during that time could you stroll on the campus with the university president, just talking about the events of the day? That was Father Daniel Egan. He was that type of president. Other Franciscans that were special to me were Father Kevin Keelan, Father Francis Flanagan, and of course, the, uh, on the lay side of my outstanding education, educators would be Dr. John Carrig, Mr. John Corsi, and all the exceptional, wonderful lay people that I had teaching me, because they were exceptional in their fields and played a major role in my development as a student. In retrospect, um, I, it was a busy time of my life, as any college student is even now. But I held a, a secretarial position with a local construction firm while attending classes full time. A lot of us were called commuter students. And we, we didn't mind that, because we were a part of the College of Steubenville in its early ages. And um, we, it wasn't just 
uh, going from campus, walking and catching buses and, and having a harried, ex, uh, exceptionally busy time. We had time for pep rallies and dances and basketball games and all the fun things we did. And um, when Megan mentioned the MRS degree, <laughs> I have to say, as a freshman, I met my husband, Tom, and Father Francis Flanagan could not wait to, t you know, to tease. I know you came to college just to get your MRS degree. Yeah. No, I didn't. I <laughs> so we, we always had that little banner, and I think he was well pleased when I didn't meet and marry Tom. <laughs> um, all things considered, with the help and de dedication of the faculty, I was able to fulfill my dream of becoming a teacher, which I wanted since I was in the third grade. And it was because of the, um, the wonderful foresight that my parents, who only went to the sixth and the eighth grade, in insisted we get a, a good education. Thank God that they did push, and thank God that the uh, Franciscans made this uh, um, dream come true for me. So when I accept this award, I'm thinking not only I'm accepting it for myself, but I'm for all those, those early College of Steubenville graduates who, who had the same journey that I did, the same experience, but we completed our education. So I thank you, Father, and all the Franciscans, fathers and brothers, and of course the dedicated faculty, that if for all you do, and all you did, and all you continue to do, this to have made my dream possible. Thank you. We can agree with me that we've heard, heard about six honorees, and we're about to hear about the seventh, uh, who are a living testament to the fact that if you'd like to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat first. <laughs> and uh, we've seen and heard a lot about that. So, um, and you can even have a theme music to go with that. <laughs> Next and, and last award, but not certainly not the least award, goes to Anna Franzanello Paprocki. To be Catholic is to be pro-life. It is to see the face of God in every human face. It is to love every person at every size, every age, every level of ability. And it is to defend every life, born and unborn, from those who see some lives as less important than others. In all those ways, Anna Paprocki has embraced and lived her Catholic faith. While studying and working at Franciscan University, Anna's concern for the innocent and defenseless grew into a committed passion to ending the evil of abortion. She channeled that passion first by pursuing a degree in law and then by putting that degree at the service of the pro-life legal team, Americans United for Life. For the past six years, she has worked tirelessly at both the federal and state level to shape legislation that incarnates the Catholic understanding of the human person and respects the dignity of women and their children. She has given a voice to those who have no voice, and she has given protection to those who have no protectors. For her passion, for her articulate presentation of pro-life views on the national stage, and for her ability to use the law to build a culture of life, Franciscan University is pleased to honor Anna Paprocki, graduate of the class of 2003, with the Professor Edward J. Kelly Award. Congratulations. Uh, my mother always tells me that I wasn't forced to go to Steubenville. I just didn't have a choice. Um, and, and I always say that was the best de decision that I never made. Um, and I, I, I do, I mean that. Um, like all of the other uh, graduates that came up here before me, um, that my time at Steubenville at Franciscan University was very transformative. And I want to thank my parents for that healthy, strong influence um, in coming here, but also for all the sacrifices that you made um, along the way to help me here. And I know all of my siblings who are here, um, all 10 of us spent at least part of our education uh, at Franciscan University. And I know you two sacrificed a lot for us to make that happen. Um, 
my husband often remarks how incredible it is that my parents have raised 10 children uh, to be adults who are all successful and faith-filled. Uh, and that's a, a rare thing to happen in a large family. Um, there, well, Rita's actually still a senior, so we don't know where she's going to end up. You might, have, you might have one failure at the end. But so far, so far, nine out of ten are successful, faith-filled adults. Um, and I know that there are many things that my parents did to make that happen, but I know that they would both credit our time at Franciscan University as a, a really instrumental piece of, of where we are as adults. Um, so I think, you know, on behalf of all my siblings, you know, I think that thanks for your sacrifices um, to, to get us here. Uh, Megan, too, you were looking for an MRS degree. I have two single brothers that are here in the audience tonight um, just saying, I know my mother would never forgive me if I didn't make that offer to you. Um, but like the other graduates who came up here before before me, I have very similar stories about my time at Franciscan, um, how I was able to grow in my faith life and, and you know, the academic, um, the the education that I received inside and outside the classroom. Like Jason, uh, my time on the sidewalk, uh, sidewalk counseling outside the abortion clinics in Pittsburgh, really put in my mind that I wanted to do something to intervene in these lives, um, the lives of the women before they were there at the at the doors of the clinic. Um, so I think I probably always was on a path to where I am, a, a, a legal job in the pro-life world. But Franciscan University gave me a more direct route to get there, both inside and outside the classroom. Um, and I think when I think what is uniquely special about the university is the fact that I am here tonight receiving an award, that the university sees my job, my, my job do, enacting pro-life legislation is actually a success. Most universities would probably want to scrub me from the roles um, of their alumni, and that, that is what makes Franciscan different. When you look at the fact that I'm receiving an award tonight, um, I'm flattered to receive the award, but that's really a reflection of the university. And so I want to thank the university for its its strong commitment to character, its unwavering um, commitment to the faith. Uh, and thank you. Well, as I said, Father Sean uh, just arrived from Tel Aviv. Um, he is... Uh, He's a jet setter, and I really I want to say one special thank you to the Calpasians. They, they started our alumni chapter in uh, Southern California and have had tremendous success having events out there, 100 people each time. And uh, it's never hard to get Father Sean and our other friars to want to fly out to California. So uh, there's, this, there's something special about the Calpasians and the work they're doing founding that chapter. Gives us a place to go. And we're trying to do more stuff in like February and uh, March and those kind of months to, to, to give us the warm up. That's right. We were actually the last two times Father Sean's been there. Everyone's apologizing us to the, for the weather because it was the hottest it's ever been out there and humid. And so, but at this time, I'd like to invite our president, Father Sean, in his third year at Franciscan U, uh, to give us some remarks. Well, as Tim said, uh, Michael Hernan and I just came back from the Holy Land. We arrived back here in Steubenville this morning. Um, so you can imagine the spiritual high I'm on right now. And I'm sure it's going to last for another year or two, at least, if not even into the future. Uh, one of the things, though, that really clearly demonstrated to me during our time in the Holy Land is the impact that Franciscan University is having in our church and in the world. We were on a pilgrimage with 57 other people, and we partnered with Steve Ray and Janet Ray, you may know them. Uh, they do pilgrimages to the Holy Land six times a year. But because we partnered with them, Franciscan University partnered with them, they were able to open up a lot of other doors to opportunities for our pilgrims to be able to participate in because we were there. The name Franciscan University is recognized in the Holy Land. And we were able to do things because we were there representing the university. And that's clear in many different ways, demonstrated throughout all the different places where I go to see, to hear the impact that our students, our faculty, most especially, however, our alumni are having in the ways in which they're reaching out to men and women of faith, just as they were formed to do during their time here uh, at Franciscan University. One of the common questions I get 
uh, from people when I'm talking about the university with them. And, and they come to know about the university through people who have been involved with them for the, through the Franciscan University family, whether they are alumni, current students, uh, other people who are serving in some capacity as part of the family. They ask, how many students do you have currently? And I, I usually say 25, 2,600 or so if you add them all up. And they're amazed to hear that it's not some huge number, that it's not 30,000, 50,000, that the small number of students that we have here, the graduates that we have going forward, are having such an impact in the life of the church and in the world is just mind-blowing to them. And I think that's true in the way in which we hear the stories of so many of the people that we remember tonight, the people that we have honored tonight for their work as Franciscan University alumni and going forward to do the things that you were formed to do while you were a student here at Franciscan University. Getting that firm foundation as a man or woman of faith to be able to utilize the gifts that God has given to you to best live out your vocation in the world. Whether it is as a chastity speaker, whether it is as a father, mother, husband, wife, Someone's still looking for that MRS degree. <laughs> God has called you in a particular way to be of service to him. And the gifts that you've received here will serve you well in the way in which you continue to represent the university to the world and to the church and to that very person who sits right in front of you and wants to know God's love and God's mercy through your presence and interacting with them. And so I'm very grateful to all of you, especially our honorees who are here tonight, for the ways in which you continue to build up the Franciscan University family. And while some people might think we're a little university in a, in a remote part of eastern Ohio, experience tells what an impact this university is having and how we are doing things to transform the world. And so I encourage you, as you go back home, as you continue with these various ministries in which you are involved in, to continue to honor your university by doing all that God calls you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen.